Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Empress Bank. Coming up, the latest on the 2024 NFL Draft from the team at KC Sports Network, your home for Kansas City Chiefs coverage. A very merry draft miss to all of you. Thank you so much for jumping in here. This is the KCSN Draft Show, episode one of the 2024 season. Could not be more excited to be talking draft with my dear friend, Matthew Wayne. Maddie, a merry draft miss to you, buddy. Listen, we're here. We're back. The people wanted it. The people got it. KCSN Draft Show is back. We are. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it this year. We got we got some people that'll be coming on throughout the draft season, joining us on here today. It will just be Kent and I, but we got we got some guests. We got some people coming. People you guys want to hear from that'll be coming up throughout this. Um, this is where we will be, you know, covering draft prospects, hence the draft show, but not as much directly related to the Chiefs. This is going to be a little bit more just about the players in the draft. A little bit, you know, more straightforward. Here's draft stuff and. During all of our stuff during the KC Lab, we'll get more specific to the Chiefs. This will just be overviews of players and stuff like that. And this is just really a place for Kent and I and to geek out with some friends and talk about the draft. Yeah. And, you know, there'll still be some, you know, it it, it will hard it'd be hard to completely not tie it to the Chiefs. Like there'll be a little bit of it, but it's more just let us nerd out a little bit about some of these prospects that we really like. You know, and there's always going to be some angles of how it could affect some of the Chiefs draft situation and all that stuff. But um, yeah, this is going to be a fun one. I, I always really enjoy this show. We love doing it. And yeah, you're, we're gonna we're gonna have some some friends on that I'm sure you're gonna want to hear from. So that's the plan. But we're gonna go two positions a week uh, for the foreseeable future here, just kind of profiling different spots. He shows we um. We wanted to start with a couple different positions here. We want to save a few for, you know, post-combine, maybe a little bit post-free agency. Today, we're going to talk about the cornerbacks and the QBs. Uh, And there's some different angles on both of these things. They both matter to the entirety and the totality of the draft. They may not be the highest valued positions for the Chiefs in this particular draft, but that doesn't mean there's not some good football players. Um, There's several cornerbacks I think and we'll start with them Maddie I mean I think there's several cornerbacks that we could see making it to day one of this draft uh, this is one this might be the there's a lot, a lot of talk about how good the wide receiver room is and we're going to talk about quarterbacks a little bit later and there's obviously the two guys at the top but some other first round players like there's other good positions but just from top to bottom cornerback might be the most talented position the deepest and it's got the elite top end talent and then it's got guys Usually when you have a really strong position group, it it pegs out to where there's going to be a a lot of big corners. There's going to be a lot of outside big physical press corners, or there's going to be a lot of smaller, fast slot corners. This year, though, there's a little bit of everything. There's there's guys at the top and on day two and on day three that kind of fit all these roles. So it's a really exciting corner class. And I think the reason that you really, where you can really see that, right? Like everybody's going to know some of these names, but the big thing right now is the two corners at the top of this class are Terry on Arnold, out of Alabama, and Quinion Mitchell out of Toledo. And you ask anybody to start this year, that would have not been anyone's corner. One, two, three, four. Maybe Mitchell slipped in there at like five. Some people I know liked him, but I think he really rose this year. So 
We're talking about a strong corner class. The top two guys are names that people weren't even talking about talking about a couple months ago, Kit. Yeah. And I mean, and and they deserve every bit of being where they're yeah. positioned right now. Terry and Arnold, I think, has just exceptional traits. Like he's a very traits based prospect. That's not to say that he hasn't put on some some good tape. He's still a very, you know, good I really impressed. Like he's just very good man cover corner. I've been very impressed with that. Um, but just the athletic profile is really impressive and just freaky movement skills and size for the position. And I mean, and again, the tape's not devoid of of good moments. It's it's just an he's just got an incredible toolbox to to be developed. And like that's probably why he hears his name called first at the cornerback spot. Yeah. I I think that that's like it's weird when you kind of go through and you start watching some guys like, right. It's so like Terry on Arnold. He was playing like safety a lot before leading up to this year. And so you do see a lack of, I don't want to say a lack of instincts, but you can see a guy who's still learning the position, but the natural movement ability is so rare. It's so exceptional that it still all falls into place. But yeah, there are times where his footwork isn't perfect and it results in him getting off balance, but he corrects it and he has the movement skills to recover from there. And on the flip side, Mitchell is just kind of like, He's more textbook. It's kind of like everything that he does is correct. Now, he played at Toledo, doesn't always face the toughest competition. There's, you know, some good matchups against Ohio State in there, but it's a lot of off coverage. It's a lot of him just kind of keeping everything in front of them. So, like, there is going to be a projection for him going from college to the NFL, but a strong showing at the Senior Bowl, showing he can cover the best wide receivers in Mobile with them, that gave him a big, huge boost. So, like, Quinion Mitchell's a little bit more technical a little bit more refined, maybe a little bit more, I don't want to say limited, but a little bit more scheme-specific than Terry Arnold is going yeah. forward. But both these guys deserve to be right up there at the top. But it's just kind of, again, pick your flavor. Do you want the guy that's got a lot of experience in zone coverage with a ton of ball skills and Mitchell? Or do you want the guy that's probably a little better suited to be in man coverage, a little bit better tackler, a guy that does a little bit of everything in Terry Arnold? Quinion, I, I, I love this, like, the football character he plays with, too. Like, and just how he, you know, there's just little plays that he'll just sell out to try to to dive and try to make a play. Just these little moments that he has to just try to, you know, do everything he can for his team. And, like, the makeup's good. He's a, you know, he's not playing at a Bama. He's playing at a Toledo, right? He's just continually ascended. Um, He's a really good football player. And I, you know, I, I, I think people are starting to come around to him as like a first half of the first round type player. I wouldn't be stunned at all if he's a first half of the first round player uh, when this draft is all said and done. Honestly, I think those two are are probably both going in the first half. The second half gets a little bit interesting. There's a lot of names thrown out there, but one ga- one guy I want to ask you, because I know you're a really big fan of his, and I know a lot of Missouri fans are going to want to hear about this. Uh, Ennis Rakestraw Jr. is a guy that you've been high on since you kind of started watching him earlier in the year and he's getting a lot of round one buzz or some round one buzz here as well. Yeah, it, he's he it's an interesting guy because he's not very big, but he plays really big. And so sometimes that works really well and translates great for going forward in, into the NFL. Other times that does come with some limitations. Like I, I think the combine will be big for Rigstraw. I do have some questions. My biggest question, I the size thing is what it is. You can't just magically get bigger. He's gonna be a physical guy, but he's gonna probably come in just under six feet, hundred under 190 pounds, or right around there. So he's not gonna be the biggest corner. But if he can run okay, if he can run in the four fours would be great. Four, you know, four, four, five, like we can deal with that four, five, we can deal with a little bit, just can't be slow. And if he's slow, then we get more concerns. But if he goes to the combine next week, he comes out and runs adequately. 
I think Rakestraw is going to do a great job. You know, he kind of kind of catapults himself up into the first round for sure with how physical he plays, the ball yes. skills that he shows. He is exceptional attacking the ball. He's exceptional coming downhill, making plays on the football, on the receivers. Like he does all the little things really well that you want to see. It's just there's a couple athletic concerns that I think he needs to tick off the checkbox, and then he'll be really set going. That's exactly how I kind of, how it phrase it. If he checks those boxes, it's huge for him because like yeah. he is the he's not you're right he's not the biggest guy, but he is just so pesky. He is just the peskiest most he's, he's pesky and physical for not being the biggest corner in this class. And if the athletic profile is going to help people feel confident that he'll be able to to you know move his feet well enough and and, and maintain stay in phase and and still kind of you know be that impressed even though he's not going to be the biggest guy. I think that can go a long way in kind of helping him and his draft stock. But I mean, he's getting, I mean, he's getting a lot of love. I mean, people look at him as, you know, we'll see who ultimately winds up being cornerback three. You know, I think Cooper DeGene's probably the, the, the front runner for me. I know some people like a Nate Wiggins, a Kool-Aid McKinstry, um, but Rakestraw's right in the mix. Yeah. Well, those are the big names, right? Those are the big three that most people kind of had pegged as their top guys that we were talking about. Like, it, it wasn't Mitchell. It wasn't Arnold. It, it would have been a Kool-Aid McKinstry, Cooper DeGene, Nate Wiggins. But all those guys have different concerns, you know, that I, they're not quite as complete of prospects as some of yeah. these other guys we're talking about. Even Rick Straw, like, yeah, we mentioned there's boxes he has to check, but if he just checks them to an adequate level, he's right there now all of a sudden with those guys, whereas preseason, before the season was going, those guys were at the clear cut at the top. But, you know, Wiggins doesn't like to be physical. He can't really tackle. There's maybe some maturity questions, you know, circling in the rumor mill about him. So he's a guy not everyone feels comfortable with. Cooper DeGene, corner, safety, slot corner. We don't know where to play him. Can he play them all? Can't he? I think he can. I think he's a great player. Put him wherever. But in Kool-Aid McKinstry, can he run? (laughs) Just can he run at all? Right? Can he run or find a football? So like, all these guys at the top have good skills, but they have questions about them, but they're all very, very talented. Like, what's five guys deep now that we're talking about as potential first-round corners? Like, that's you got an six. impressive list. Six minutes. Six if you had Rick Strong. You know, yeah. Terry and Arnold, Mitchell, Wiggins, DeGene, McKinstry, and, and Rick Strong. That's six guys. And, I, I, I mean, the thing is, is like, they're one of those guys will probably be available to the Chiefs at 32 if they really want. They're probably not going to take one. And they're probably not going to need to take one, but there is a lot of really talented cornerbacks that are going to be sitting there in the in the first two rounds. It's, it's very similar to receiver, where there's a lot of really talented guys. There's some, you know, topish and like there's not quite the same tier stratosphere as the receiver class at the cornerback position, but they're still very good cornerbacks. So two are going to find themselves in the first half of the draft, probably first half of the first round. There's going to be some first round picks in there, and there's a strong there's a strong middle class, if you will. There's a strong middle class of of cornerbacks there as well. And one of my favorite guys is it uh, extremely spagsy cornerback, I think, is TJ Tampa out of Iowa State. You want to talk about physicality from the cornerback position. This man is just I mean that it's it's he's might be the most physical cornerback in this entire class from matching the athleticism, size, power, strength with actively trying to be as physical as he possibly can. like the, the ability to do it and the willingness to do it match with TJ Tampa and you know he's he, I don't I don't again I don't think that she's going to draft a cornerback this early but like he's the kind of guy that like if they wanted to play a best player available at some point 
in second round. If he's sitting there at the end of the second round, I'm not going to be mad if they just grab a guy like TJ Tampa in the back end of the defense. I mean, he's a super talented guy, and like he's just he's just been getting better and better, right? Ball skills, length, physicality, he kind of has it all. You do you know, have some questions about hip fluidity and stuff like that, especially coming out of Iowa State, where they only ask him to play you know a certain subset uh, of coverages. But man, there's a lot there to work with if you're looking at the Chiefs specifically. Like, hey, they, all their corners besides Trip McDuffie kind of fit that same mold: physical, ball skills, long, maybe not the best at uh, rotating their hips, right? So. Yep. He would 100% fit. He's super talented. I'm with you. If they wanted to go pure best player available, he might be a guy that gets in the mix. Like, I, I'm fully on board with that. I I think given how we're talking about this quarterback class and how strong it is, though, it's like there's going to be guys on, you know, day two, whether that's round yep. two, round three, that are probably falling a little bit that make more, not more sense, but would make sense for the Chiefs versus having to take that in round one. It's like you would TJ Tampa. For me, Kamari Lassiter out of Georgia. Same concept, though, right? A little bit skinnier, six foot, 180 pounds, but you watch him play, you'll swear he's a big corner. So all this guy does is absolutely stonewall guys at the line of scrimmage. He runs the routes for them as long as he can keep their hands on them or stay in their hips. Now you have some questions again about long speed or necessarily hip fluidity, but the footwork is perfect. The instincts are absolutely phenomenal, and he's just so physical. So like these are just some guys that we like that could be in that round two, round three range that... Most years, you would probably start to have people talking about them maybe creeping up into the back end of round one because of you know the talent that's there, because of the traits that they have. But this year, I think they might be afterthoughts because the top of the class is so good. Let's uh, let's kind of maybe get into some some day two, day three guys that you know we might 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 like a little bit here. Um, you know, we have you got we got our eyes on some guys at the Shrine Bowl too. So there's plenty of guys there too. But you know, Maddie, maybe tell me a guy in day three that you. You're, you're kind of paying attention to that you, you've liked throughout the process. Okay, so I, I got two guys here. One of them is Josh Newton out of TCU. I actually liked him a lot last year. He's an older guy. He's been in college for a while. So I think he just finished his sixth year in college, so he's not young. But anytime I watched TCU's defense two years ago, he was the one that really stood out to me as making a lot of plays. He was kind of like the coverage player that you couldn't go at. I, I know... Uh, Hodges Tomlinson got all of the accolades. He won the Jim Thorpe Award, I believe, had all the interceptions, but Newton was the guy that teams couldn't attack. So, like, he's always intrigued me a little bit. I, I think he's a little athletically limited, but he's really smart. He knows how to play, so he should carve out a role on, on a team. But another guy that I, I need to sit down and watch a little bit more, but he's, he looked good to me during the All-Star games and stuff like that, Renardo Green out of Florida State. Uh, he had probably the best showing out of anybody against LSU's dynamic wide receivers this year. He did an excellent job against them. Again, loose mover, fluid with his hips. He just kind of he has that movement skills that jump out to you, even if there's still some work to do from the instincts or his technique and his footwork standpoint. He just has the movement ability to match guys. And anybody that looks like that versus a Malik Neighbors and a Brian Thomas Jr. of LSU. I'm gonna I'm gonna spend a little bit more time with them. So Renardo Green's a guy that I need to watch more of, but he's really caught my eye the little bit that I have seen. Uh, I'll I'll throw out a couple guys that we saw at the East West Shrine Bowl. Um, I'll start with Miles Harden out of South Dakota. He's kind of on the older side for prospects. Um, he had some injury some injury issues recently, but he's had some insane ball production in the FCS, and he's a guy that has some inside outside versatility. And I think the NFL Combine is going to be really important for him from a testing perspective if he can kind of show some of the athleticism some people are anticipating that he's going to show, paired with some of the ball skills that he's had. 
and some of the inside versatility, inside outside versatility he possesses. I think he probably winds up being more of a slot guy at the NFL level when it's all said and done. I don't know how much outside he's really going to play, but he kind of interests me as as a slot player. Um, so that's that's one guy that I'm I'm kind of interested in. He's more of like your round six, round seven type player. He's kind of down there at the in you know in the late rounds, but I think he's a fun flyer as a as a slot player. Um, let's go, you know, Jerry's Monroe out of Tulane is another guy that we saw at the East West Shrine Bowl as well. And, you know, he's kind of a, I mean, he really didn't play, uh, you know, he kind of played safety and corner a little bit, but this is another one of those just big dudes, just a big, a big defensive back, six one two zero four, thirty two and a quarter inch arms, which isn't bad for the cornerback spot. Um, but we saw him at the East West Shrine Bowl playing at the line of scrimmage and just shutting dudes down. Like he was just a physical, he was a dominant force for te- you know, for receivers trying to match up against him. Uh, looked really good there. I think he ha- he really helped himself when he was getting a chance to play outside corner and play in a press technique. I mean, if you're looking for another guy that can kind of do that, and you're if you if you're the Chiefs, he's a fun kind of day three target. I think if you're looking for somebody like that. Yeah, and just talks nonstop too. Like that was the best part about Monroe was just constantly talking to the opponents. <laughs> that's, that's you love that. You love that out of a corner, right? It's so like there's just there's just so many guys, and like you wouldn't even go. Uh, these aren't guys I'm necessarily as high on as some of these other players we talked about. But you want to just get a big physical guy to stand at the line of scrimmage and beat receivers up, and that's something that could work in a Steve Spagnuolo scheme. Cam Hart out of Notre Dame, six foot three, two over two hundred pounds, long arms, just gonna sit there and beat guys up. Kyrie Jackson, six foot three, two hundred over two hundred pounds out of Oregon. Like, there's guys for every. Ro Torres, yeah. Ro Torres is six two and six eight, and he has thirty three and a half inch arms. At two oh four, I mean, he's just like this big, long, freakish. I mean, just yeah. There's all kinds of guys like that. Yeah. Or the, and then on the flip side, you would oh okay, I need a slot corner that's going to tackle. He's going to be able to stick with these loose movers that play in the slot and all these option routes. Chow Smith Wade out of Washington State, smaller guy, but excellent change of direction ability. Mike Sanders still everyone's favorite Michigan player this past year. He's going to be <laughs> another guy. Max Melton from Rutgers. Like there's just there's guys for whatever you need littered throughout this draft class. So it's it's unfortunate that I think the Chiefs are very set at the corner position, especially if Legarius Sneed comes back. Because this is a draft class where you could use somebody, but the Chiefs' limited draft picks and having a relatively full secondary make it kind of difficult. But that could be beneficial for them also because like a lot of these guys might come off the board kind of early, push other guys down, or just super talented corner class. Like this would be this would be a year if your favorite team needs a corner that you really want them to snag somebody because there's guys littered throughout this draft that that are just excellent players at whatever kind of corner need, whatever system you might run. All right, well, that's the cornerback position. We're going to take a break. We're going to talk about the quarterbacks and how that might potentially affect the NFL draft, especially round one right after this. We appreciate you supporting KC Sports Network by listening to our podcast. You have helped us become the highest-ranked Chiefs podcast network in 2022 and 2023. And don't forget about our daily Substack newsletter, the best written analysis you can find on the Chiefs straight to your inbox every day. KCSN.substack.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, appreciate everybody that's listening. Uh, the KCSN Draft Guide is available for pre-order now. Uh, if you are already a su- subscriber to KCSN Substack, uh, there's a discounted link that you can receive uh, that give you a discount on the guide. But if you aren't a subscriber to the KCSN Substack, you can get three months of free content and the draft guide for $13.99. The link is in the description of this show. So you're going to get the draft guide, which is over 300 pages of Chiefs specific content. These write-ups on players and how they specifically fit the Chiefs. It's all tailored to the Chiefs. And you also get three months of all of our premium written content that we do over at the KCSN Substack. So uh, link is in the description of the show. Obviously, like talking about quarterbacks in the draft show, you know, I know that some people are going to want to turn, want to tune out a little bit. Some people are going to, you know, eh, it's the, you know, it's, it's the quarterback. It's still very interesting to see one who could be trying to go up against Patrick Mahomes for the next decade. It can be interesting to see how it affects the draft and how it could affect the chiefs chances of having a good player fall to them at 32 uh, at the end of the first round, because you know, of the, of the need for, teams trying to find a quarterback that can at least give them a shot against Patrick Levon Holmes. Uh, but this is a good, this is a, a a good quarterback class at the top. I really think. And I think, you know, the more I watch it, the better I think it is. Yeah. It's an interesting top though, for me personally, I am going back and forth between I like, I know like it's kind of like the, the it, it, it's in vogue right now to dunk on Drake may. And I don't get it. I think Drake May and Caleb Williams are still the top two quarterbacks for me. And I know some people are trying to unseat Drake, but man, I I like both those two. We'll start with Caleb Williams, who is largely considered the number one player in this, in this, uh, in this draft. And, you know, a potential, some people are throwing the word generational out. I think the tape was a lot more up and down than generational prospect for me personally this year. There were some things that definitely gave me pause on tape about Caleb Williams. Not that he's not still an incredible player and not still that he does some of the most impressive things that I've ever seen a quarterback do, especially in college. It's just that there were a lot of inconsistencies in those in between those moments and a lot of hubris 
about the way that he plays the game and the way he wants this game to be played that make you wonder if he's going to try to rely too much on his superpowers uh, and his ability that he has. He's he's just he's a very fascinating evaluation, and he has been for me this entire time. Yeah, I, I would be clear. Caleb Williams is like immensely talented. He's yeah. one of the most talented quarterbacks to come into the NFL draft, and I mean, like ever, right? He's like right up there with anybody you could ever put out. Absolutely. And there's a lot of good on this tape, and I don't think that Lincoln Riley's system helped him out a lot. I think Lincoln Riley got an early like, "Hey, this guy's an offensive genius," and I don't know if he's really backed that that up. I don't know. It's just hard to tell if he's just really good at getting really talented quarterbacks in there that make him look good, or if the system is actually that great. That that all being said, Caleb Williams does some stuff that is just so boneheaded, and it's so and he does it so frequently. It's really hard for me to put all that trust in there. Now, we are Chiefs fans. We're coming off, you know, Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech did a lot of the similar stuff. And his, you know, rationale for it, everyone talked about it since was like, hey, I had to. My defense was really terrible. My supporting cast wasn't good. I had to do this stuff. But I think even then, most of Patrick Mahomes really boneheaded stuff, you could see it was more of, I just think I could do this because I'm a superhero and it didn't work. Some of Caleb Williams' decisions are just flat bad and wrong. Not even bad, just wrong. There are times where he decides to pull a ball as a give read to his running back 100% and he just decides to pull it and outrun two guys to the edge and it doesn't work. There are times where he passes up an intermediate dig route because he thinks he's going to hit the post over the top when the safety does nothing but retreat the entire play. He thinks that he can just do whatever he wants and because he's so talented, if it, what he wants to do doesn't work, he can just go back to something else later. And like, yeah, I think it worked a lot at college. I just have my concerns that he can play on time in structure when things tighten up. And I think you have seen that every single time USC gets into a tough game down the stretch against a good back 12 defense, which there isn't a lot of them, but you see how tight it gets for him. You see how inconsistent the offense becomes when he is forced to play within a certain set of restraints and play on time. I just have a little bit more just this isn't to say he can't be the first overall pick, shouldn't be whatever it may be. I just don't think this is the best quarterback of a generation since Andrew Luck to come into the NFL draft because I think he actively does some stuff that matters kind of poorly. And let me be careful what what I, what I say here because I don't want to come off like blasphemous, but some of the throws that he's put on tape are I don't know if I even saw Mahomes do. Uh, Because he's made some unbelievable throws. But Maddie's correct. There are just so many... There's so many choices that he makes that that will get him in serious trouble at the NFL level. And it's not the same... It it, it doesn't apply the same way to to the way Mahomes, you know, kind of had to work through some stuff himself. Like there was, you know, some feet, some decision-making, but it was... It seems more fixable, and with 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 Caleb, it's not that it's not fixable. It's just that there are just some simple things that he doesn't, he just refuses to take. And I, you know, I I I look at the way Caleb, I look at the way like Mahomes, like I and I'm, I'm trying to, I'm not trying to compare Caleb to Mahomes, but we're you know the 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 term generational has been thrown around around about Caleb. The reason Mahomes is good is not because he continued to rely on the things that he did in 2019 as the starter for this team. 
2018. The reason Patrick Mahomes is the what Patrick Mahomes is is because he's figured out and been malleable to any style of play, and he's become a bulletproof quarterback that can do anything, can win any way you want. Even when you are taking some of the things away that made him special in 2018, he's continued to adapt, evolve, and progress and grow. And I worry that Caleb is going to be able to do those things the same way that Patrick Mahomes has been able to do. And so that's one of the things that really brings attention to me is just these, is he going to be able to fix them? Is he going to be able to rewire himself to fix these problems? Because if he doesn't, he is going to get himself into a lot of trouble at the NFL. Now, don't get me wrong. He's still going to be a very good player. But I, the comp that one, I can't remember who, what we've been talking about is like, is, is his ceiling going to be, Kyler, is it going to be Kyler Murray-ish? Or is it going to be more than Kyler? That's a that's a question you need to you know kind of ask yourself about him because there's some really big fundamental changes and mental changes that he's going to have to make if he wants to be more than a Kyler Murray type prospect. Still very good quarterback, don't get me wrong, but you want you want better than than that if you're uh, if you're if you're a team picking first. Drake May, I'm a huge. I, we're we're all big fans of Drake May, and in, in in the KCSN draft guide. I really enjoy watching him play. Um, just like he's got the proto- prototypical size. He's got really good athleticism for the position. Like he's not like the best athlete in the world, but he's a very good athlete that is functional with his legs to a level that will be a problem for a team in the NFL or for NFL defenses. Like I kind of equate it to some of the way he runs and the choices he makes when he runs and how he runs reminds me of Andrew Luck where people weren't really tying the athleticism to Andrew Luck, but when he chose to run, when he chose to make those plays with his legs, he still was a, a valuable asset to a team trying to use, utilize his legs. It wasn't like they were using a ton of designed runs for an Andrew Luck, and I don't know if Drake, Drake May is going to get a ton of designed runs at the next level, but his his athleticism is is a problem for defenses. He can extend plays. He can make get tough yards in these kind of situations. And on top of that, I think he's a really good passer. I mean, he's got a great arm. He makes some of the... I mean, you want to talk about some of those wow throws like that Caleb's made. Drake Mays made those plays too. He's made some special throws. And like, I know some people are going to... A lot of people are going to see Caleb Williams as the consensus. I don't think... I think Drake Mays is going to be QB2. I don't buy some of the noise that some people have out there about him not being QB2. And I think someone's going to be really happy when they get Drake Mays as the second quarterback of this draft. Yeah, I mean, I think for both of us, right? Is Drake May your top quarterback right now? I, I he right is now me. he is. Right now he is. There's been a couple he things is. I've been working through with Caleb that make me wonder if I'm going to go back to Caleb. But I've been. Yeah. They're very close. They're very close right now. And Drake's yeah. number one right now. I agree that they're very close. I I think my thing with Drake May is I the ceiling. If Caleb Williams ceiling. If the absolute best case scenario is a 100, Drake May is a 99. And like, so I, I, there is a difference. Caleb Williams, if everything goes perfectly right for him and out his career, he is going to be a better quarterback than Drake May. But I think there's so much more wiggle room for Drake May because I have seen him play within structure a lot more. I've seen Drake May and things have gone bad for him when he has to play hero mode. Like both these quarterbacks are susceptible to playing hero ball. But when Drake May does it, it feels like it's a, to me, it's a lot closer to what it was. And we're going to keep going back to, you know, invoking names like Patrick Holmes here. And like, I'm not saying he's like him at all. But it feels more like watching Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. He knows he needs to do this. He thinks he can do this, so he's going to try. He's not doing it 
skipping over other reads. He's not doing it to be a detriment to the offense in the way that it feels like Caleb Williams does at times. I don't think Drake May is passing up on good throws to make to attempt to make a better one in the same way that Caleb Williams is. So I, I feel more confident in saying that he can move on to the next level in the NFL and play within a structure, can play on time. He will not completely throw the system out the window on any given play that he wants to. Now, he has to rein in the decision-making. He has to understand that he can't stay in the pocket for four seconds if a guy's not getting open and then deliver the ball as someone's hitting him in the chin. He has to realize that he has an a, a very good arm, an A-level arm, but it's not A++. You can't make every single throw that you've ever seen any other player in the NFL make, and he tries at mm-hmm. times to do that. So, Off like, there's, <laughs> yeah, there are certainly things that he does need to fix and get better at. It's just I have seen, I think, more signs pointing towards him figuring that out as he goes to the next level that I feel a little safer with Drake May while still getting an elite-level ceiling, just maybe a, a tiny bit less than Caleb Williams. Caleb's ceiling is top two quarterback. I mean, I think Caleb has the, the talent to be one of those in the in the in the stratosphere of the Allen and the Mahomes. Uh in in that, you know, I mean it's one not Mahomes, but Allen in, you know, in that Allen Allen tier, I guess if you will. Uh, Drake probably does too, if we're being honest. But I think Caleb, yeah, his ceiling is a little bit higher for sure. Jaden Daniels, uh is largely regarded as QB three. Some people have him as QB two. I we can kind of move on from him unless you have some you have some quick thoughts on him. I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole with him, but kinda... my quick thoughts are just simply this: that he's not in the same he's not in the conversation as Drake May and Caleb Williams for me. And I think it's kind of crazy that we have gotten to that Agreed. point. I think it's crazy. Um, I mean, like good player, very good player. I think he can definitely start in the NFL. But I think of all the guys we talked about, he's going to be the most scheme dependent. And it's going to be the most inconsistent offense. Like even Caleb Williams at his most mid-level projections to the NFL is going to be a far more consistent quarterback and player than, than Jaden uh, Daniels is going to be. So like, yeah, I just, I think it's kind of crazy that he's worked his way up into this top three pick, this top two quarterback selection process when you have Drake May and Caleb Williams. And I like Jaden Daniels, but I just feel like there are some significant blind spots in his game. I don't like his work over the middle of the field nearly as much as some of these other quarterbacks. I don't really appreciate how he, I don't think he can, I don't think he layers passes as consistently as these other guys too. He can't throw an up and down ball. He's kind of a one fastball or one speed thrower. And that scares me a lot with Jalen Dan, Jaden Daniels. Same thing. You know, I mean, what happens if teams take the vertical stuff away from him? Like he's a very he's been very dependent and reliant and a lot of the productivity and the and the crazy performances has been about the vertical passing game. And we've seen teams be very capable of taking some of this vertical stuff away. It's not going to be as easy to get at the next level as it has been at LSU, especially considering, oh yeah, Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Juniors were the guy he's he was throwing to. So I have some concerns about him and just his ability to consistently move the football. Um but his athleticism, I think, is why people are kind of, you know, they're they're kind of looking, overlooking some of that stuff. And very good, very design good the offense for him. You design you the to. offense for him, and I think it'll it has the chance to be very, very, very good. But you have to design the entire offense around him, and we've seen the shortcomings of that in the NFL numerous times. And there are times Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, where it works out great. You see, obviously, I'm not saying he's Lamar Jackson, right? I'm not saying he's Lamar Jackson. I want to be very clear about that. That's not what I'm. That's not not even just as a player. Like they don't think they play the exact same either. 
But I'm just saying, like, when you have to design an entire offense to fit a quarterback and you can't always just insert all these other things, scheme ideas, or pull from previous history of your offensive coordinator, things can get a little dicey in the biggest moments. I just, I worry about that for Daniels. I also think the way he handles pressure is very much, I'm going to lob the deep ball that I'm looking at, or I'm going to run away. And like, I don't Mm -hmm. think he maneuvers the pocket particularly well. I don't think he quickly works to what the check down or what the hot needs to be once he's going to be under pressure. If he doesn't see it, it's I'm going to out athlete you, or I'm just going to let this ball fly. And like it worked in college. I don't, you got to coach that. I think out of him going to the NFL. He's some special athletic ability and movement skills. And he can run as good as any quarterback we've seen recently. And that, I mean, he's, he's got near Lamar level ability running. He's actually faster than Lamar. Uh, he's gonna early I'd career. Go, Lamar could could go. Yeah, it's, that's a good point. Late career, early, recent Lamar. He's faster than last year, Lamar. Yeah, but he also just gets blown up every other week too. Uh, so I think three quarterbacks are gonna go early. Uh, and I actually think there's gonna be four that go real early if we're being honest. And um, I think that could really help the Chiefs. I think five quarterbacks ultimately go before round round one. Ooh. Um. Or I think five quarterbacks go round one. I think four go top six, potentially. I know that sounds insane. I think J.J. McCarthy's sneaking in there with Jaden Daniels, too. And I think he belongs in that conversation. Like, that's the I, conversation that I think people need to have more is J.J. McCarthy versus Jaden Daniels. And I agree. They play, and it, I guess it depends on what you want to do. If you want a guy that's going to probably fit into the system that you are trying to run already, that will make it work, I think McCarthy's your guy. If you're going to completely revamp everything, I understand why you would go with Jaden Daniels over J.J. McCarthy. But I, I know McCarthy's people are all into the spectrum. Just, here's what it is for me, right? There's a couple things for me that really align. A lot of drop back passing. Like he, his stuff isn't air rainy. It's not completely based on the spread. It's not quick gimmicky stuff. When he had to throw the ball, which is low volume, but when he had to throw the ball, it was pure drop back passing. Oftentimes, back to the defense because you're coming out from under center. Turn around, read the defense, find where you want to go, put the ball there. I think that's really good experience for him moving to the NFL. I thought he was really good on third downs when he had to throw it. He throws the ball well over the middle of the field, really well over the middle of the field and he can throw the ball from the pocket or on the move. And finally, I said for Daniels, this is my like my big concern is how he handles pressure. J.J. McCarthy's movement in the pocket and just feel for where pressure's coming from is really good for a guy that doesn't have a lot of throws under his belt compared to everybody else. So like, mm-hmm. you look at all what fatal flaws are for quarterbacks and why they fail, J.J. McCarthy's kind of good or at least okay in all of them. That's why I kind of start to feel like really good about this. You know, McCarthy, you're taking him in the top 10. And maybe not the sexiest pick as a fan, but I'm like, wait, where is he going to fail? Which of these things that quarterbacks always fail for is he going to fail at? Because he's good at the stuff they do that they usually mess up. He's not the biggest framed guy. So it could be a little bit of, you know, it could be, you know, some injury concerns. But I have those with Jaden Daniels, too. Like, that's the thing, right? I don't and, you know, I don't know if J.J. McCarthy's ceiling is going to be as high as some of these other guys, right? That's and that's the other argument too is what kind of ceiling are you getting out of it? But I don't think JJ McCarthy's done growing either. He just turned twenty one like a month ago. He is a two year starter. He's a national champion. He's I think I saw like he's he's lost like what one game <laughs> in his in his career. He's lost one game in his career, and we're sitting here like. We're talking about a 21-year-old kid 
that just won a natty, that's lost one game, that's performed well, protected the football. I actually credit John Harbaugh. I think John Harbaugh is a good coach for quarterbacks. I think he's a guy that has a program that can help develop quarterbacks when he gets the right guys in there. I don't think he's always picked the right guys, but I think he coaches the guys that he has well. And I think J.J. McCarthy is coming in well-coached and more polished than your traditional 21-year-old is. I still think the best scenario for him is a guy is he gets an opportunity to sit for one year, develop physically, continue to work. Anyone know something? If it's New England, they let Mac go out there and fail and not play well, and they turn to turn over to JJ the second half of the season. Like that's not a terrible scenario for him. I think about the Giants. I think about you know a team trading up to five, like the Minnesota Vikings, the you know the Falcons. I think I think someone's I think he's going to wind up either getting what would be hilarious if the Chargers traded out of that pick if Jim Harbaugh traded out of the pick that allows JJ McCarthy to get drafted at the top five I think that'd be kind of funny but I think he's going top six I genuinely believe it and I've been slow on him I've been a little bit late on him but the more I watch him the more I appreciate him and the more I get why I think a team probably should just pull the trigger on him in the top five. He's QB one. He's QB one if he if he stays another year, and, and you know if he spends a year developing. If he spends a year developing in the NFL this year, and for some for some reason he got to re-enter the draft in twenty twenty five, he'd be a top three pick, like a top one pick. He'd be the quarterback one in the twenty twenty five draft. I genuinely believe that. So I don't know. Just go ahead and get him now. Just go do it now. I think someone will. I think ultimately, and this is a, a quarterback hungry draft I think you're going to see four in the top five when it's all said and done I, I I'll go four in the top ten I don't know the five's hard because there is like there's just there's talented players in other positions that you know we're going to talk about that thing but like wide receiver tackle and, and corner I think there's other guys that deserve to be in that conversation but like I get it and I it's think quarterbacks man it's you quarterback. think you're slow on J.J. McCarthy? Not slow, but like you're slowly coming around. The more you watch, the more you like him. I think the NFL is going to be that way too. I think that's the way everybody is with him. Is like because there's not that much to see, you kind of have to watch everything to get a full understanding. And like I think you just keep going and keep going and keep going. And I think he just grows on you more and, and, and more, you, more. And you don't compare him to Caleb or Drake. Yeah. You know, I think part of the problem is you you stack them up against those two guys, and it's like, you know, it makes it a little bit cha- more challenging. But that's not the conversation we're having. There's a lot of teams that need a quarterback, and honestly, on the NFC t- side, you can win. I think you can you could you can make it far if you build a good roster around a JJ McCarthy. I mean, Jared Goff and Brock Purdy were in the NFC Championship game this year. You know, on a rookie deal, a JJ McCarthy. If you build a good football team, you have a chance to to do some damage in the specifically in the NFC. You know, if you've built a good roster, so um, yeah, I I think I think JJ McCarthy makes some sense. I think I I'm a big Bo Nix fan. I think Bo Nix winds up hearing his name called before the Chiefs pick. I think he will be. You know, he's a I I do think he is kind of a consolation for those top four. I think Bo Nix tapes. I think Bo Nix tapes last year possibly I think is better than JJ McCarthy's but Bo Nix is a 24 year old quarterback and Bo Nix is you know I mean he's on the he's he is what he is but I think Bo Nix was an wildly impressive anticipation thrower I thought I that was one thing I was really impressed by him is 
the, how many throws with the anticipation over the middle of the field that he had in his in the, in the games that I watched. Just so comfortable and confident throwing a dig. You want to? It's kind of like watching Brock Purdy throw a dig, you know, and just watching him throw that with confidence and anticipation. Protected the football really, really well. Didn't throw a ton of didn't have a ton of turnovers. Executed the little things very, you know, consistently. You know, when he was asked to you know, execute the screen game, he's throwing them with good ball placement. The ball's out on time. He understood what he was seeing. He's got the most starts, I think, in the history of college football at this point. It's just absurd. Like, I'm a big fan of Bo Nix. I think he should hear his name called in round one. That's the five quarterbacks that I think wind up in the round in the first round before the Chiefs pick. But I know, Maddie, you're a little bit less. You're a little more hesitant on Bo Nix. Yeah, I'm just a little bit more hesitant on, on Bo Nix. I, I don't. I think he kind of loses command of what's happening when he has to for when, when it's a dropback game. Like I, we, I just mentioned, like JJ McCarthy's whole thing is dropback game. Bo Nix didn't have a dropback game. It was a lot of screens. It was a lot of you know I don't want to say funky stuff. But it was a very collegey offense that he's playing, and everything set up off these widespread runs off a bunch of screens. They do a lot of stuff where it's like, oh, it's a screen to one half of the field, but there's a route combo to the other side, like. Everything just kind of looks a little funky. And when he did, when it is third down and he has to drop back and throw the ball and everyone knows it's a throw and it can't be thrown at the line of scrimmage, I just felt like his kind of control and over everything got a little sloppy. I thought when he has to get out of the pocket and like there's pressure coming, things got real. He wasn't pressured much, but when he was pressured, I felt like he his accuracy and decision-making seemed to drop more significant compared to some of the other quarterbacks. So not a bad guy. I think it, we can draft him turn him into a game-managing quarterback and see where it takes them. I just don't know if I feel super strong that that is going to be a first-round pick, especially if you are looking at, oh, he's our fifth quarterback off the board. Like, right, Will Levis last year went in the second round. I think Will Levis was definitely a better quarterback prospect than Bo Nix. I think there is more there for Will Levis going forward, and he's going in the second round in a much weaker quarterback class. Like, they're fair. It's... You know, there was there was a few differences between the Will Levis experience and the and Bo Nix. Like Bo Nix is, is. Going, coaches are going to love Bo Nix. Absolutely love Bo Nix. Probably. Like, and this is a guy that's been through a lot. He went to Auburn and was like maligned and wasn't particularly good. And he turned his career around at Oregon and like coach the coaches are gonna like some of the makeup of, of a Bo Nix better than they're gonna like what they what they had in Will Levis. Like, let's just be honest. I get what you're saying, and like I don't think what you're saying is invalid. But anyways, please continue. Sorry. No, I just like that's just kind of where I am with them. I'm I'm a little bit more ho hum on him. I I would not want my team if I was a team taking Bo Nix. I would feel much more comfortable if they took him in the second round. And it's like, hey, if this works, cool. If it doesn't, no big deal. We're not really that invested. So that's why I would just like I'm a little cautious saying I think he goes in the first round for sure. And so on that note, like the the one other quarterback in this entire draft class that just has an inkling of interest for me because I I'm, quarterbacks after round one don't do a lot for me. I just I, I, I was gonna ask you the I was gonna ask you the day two or three guy you're most interested in. And yeah. I think I know where we're going with this. Yeah, it, it's the it's the rattlesnake himself, Spencer <laughs> Rattler. Like right, and like maybe coming off of like Will saying Will Levis is better than Bo Nix, this isn't too big of a surprise to say you know Spencer Rattler is the guy that like kind of intrigues me. I just can't quit the arm. I just can't get to the arms. There's enough arm talent there that it doesn't matter. It's the decision-making can be poor. He does some really crazy stuff. I know there's some character issues that all reports seem to say they've been put behind him. He's been a very good teammate and per, you know better, I don't want to say person, but he's been more, um, how do I say, like uh, mature since he's, he's been in mature. South Carolina. 
Yeah. He's gotten a lot better in that regard. And it shows up on the football field too. And then that arm talent that he has, the ability to throw off these different platforms, throwing the ball in the face of pressure at the rate he had to do at South Carolina was insane. It's like, do I expect Spencer Rattler to become this awesome player in the NFL? No. But if you want to tell me that somebody outside those top four guys becomes a plus starter, he might be the first guy that I'm like, yeah, okay, I can see it. Because there's just so much raw talent there. And his situations that he played with were so bad for him specifically throughout college that I think you might get a really good offensive coordinator that can work up enough for him. And he can have a Baker Mayfield-like career uh, throughout the NFL. You want to talk about guys who, and you watching the mistakes they make with context, I think Spencer Rattler didn't have a ton of options with some of the mistakes that he was making and in some of the game situations that he was trying to make some of those throws. I think a lot of it was just like, I mean, it's situational, you know, you can explain it away a little bit, giving his best guy a chance perhaps down the field in a game where they're down two scores late and there's nothing getting open. And as you know, some of the things that, like, I, I think some of the decisions I, I, I just remember watching him just kind of like dismissing some of the moments. I like, you know, he took the sack, but like, I don't know how upset I am. Like, there really wasn't anything and there wasn't really any escape routes or real great options for him. And, and, and there was no problem for him. There, there was no, there's no solutions for the problem. And there was a few things that popped up like that during those, those games. And I don't know. I, I think there's some really fun moments on tape that you just it's hard not to be intrigued by. And so like I think the Chiefs won't be in a position to draft him, but like you know, they've only got six picks, but if they had twelve picks, he'd be a fun developmental backup for Patrick Mahomes. We might be getting closer and closer to the time where they start doing that, you know? And I don't know, he's one of my favorite he's 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 my favorite day two, three quarterback easily. Um, and yeah, so I, I really enjoyed, uh, watching his tape as well. Um, all right, Maddie. Well, that was, I, do you have anybody you want to talk about before we get out of here? Or are you good to go? I mean, it's not fair, but like you're a team that has Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. Like, you don't, it's hard to get real excited for any of the quarterbacks, you know, outside of the top couple guys. So like, no, I, the day three quarterbacks don't do a whole lot for me, uh, in, in our current situation. I'm more interested in seeing how many quarterbacks can push players at positions of need down to the Chiefs in round one. So that's really where I wanted to spend most of that time. And you know what? I'm hoping for five. That would be absolutely wonderful for the Chiefs situation. That is going to do it for the KCSN Draft Show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. We'll catch you later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.